beautiful people. You know what time it is. Ladies and gents, guys and dolls, and everyone in between. Gather round. Get you something real nice to sip on and comfy to slip on. Cause it's time for Smut Club. Here's your hosts, Chelsea and Hannah. Everybody and welcome to Smut Club. Hi, friends. We're glad you're here. Hi, smut pups, <laughs> slut pups, smut sluts, whatever title you want that you want to give yourself. However you choose to identify. However you choose to identify, you're welcome here. We're glad you're here. Let's hang. Let's, I'm Hannah. I'm Chelsea. Let's talk about some smut that we've read lately. Let's do it. So today, Chelsea is doing a standalone. I am. Um, well, so right now it's a standalone because the second book hasn't dropped yet. <laughs> um, so it's not actually a standalone. It's a duet. It might be more than that. I'm curious to see Chelsea. this this author's journey. Well, so all right, it's we're today we're reviewing Pretty Secrets by E.M. Moore. Um, the only books that I've seen that E.M. Moore has dropped on Goodreads thus far are this book, Pretty Secrets, and the prequel, Hush Hush. Um, I've read both, enjoyed them both, definitely want to know where this series is going to take us. So this book, we're doing some reverse harem today. Into that. Felt like we hadn't had a good reverse harem in a smidge, so wanted to make sure we kept our options relevant and open, you know? <laughs> this book follows Eden Astor. She goes by Edie throughout the book. Okay. And in the prologue where we open up, Edie's older sister, like a year older than her, Delilah, who went by D, died. So is this a fantasy? No. Okay. This is like reverse harem, kind of like dark academia, secret society. Like a, like a mafia bent? Why don't I just review it and you'll find out. There's no mafia. There's just a secret society. <laughs> just let me guess. That's like... When we reviewed that, when I got drunk and saved the demon, and you kept like, and I kept like guessing, and you're like, "Well, get there, Chelsea." Damn, <laughs> I just inquiring minds and right? shit. You're, Spoilers. You're excited. My favorite is that I like. I'm like, so where the book opens in the prologue is the sister is dead, and you're like, "Okay, I have a lot of questions." And I'm like, "We're still in the prologue, girl." <laughs> inquiring minds and inquiring shit. Inquiring minds. So, prologue. We're at Dee's funeral. Edie is vowing that she's going to avenge her sister's death. Her sister died on Devil's Night. Hmm. And um, her sister drowned. But Edie's like, she wouldn't have been in the water. Like, my sister didn't know how to swim. She wouldn't have been in the water. She wouldn't have drowned because she never would have been in the water in the first place. So clearly, mm. she was murdered. And I she need to avenge says, this. there is foul play afoot. Yes. Um, her sister had been pledging essentially like a secret society mm. called the Knights of Arcadia. They go by the Knights for short. Um, okay. What? Tell, tell me your thoughts, Anna. Don't hold back now. For some reason, all I could think of was Arcade Fire. <laughs> and I was like, they're not Knights. <laughs> this entire book is about Edie Astor avenging her sister's death 
with an Arcade Fire playlist. <laughs> soundtrack. Soundtrack yes. in the background. Yes. We love a good vengeance yes. storyline. Yes. So, all right. Edie was a year younger than her older sister and was kind of like, I'm not fucking with all of, like, the family societal expectations of being, like, a, an affluent family. So Edie had taken off and had moved to the West Coast and was living in California, going to a different school there, surfing, just chilling, living her life. When her sister Dee dies and she wants to avenge her death, she decides she's going to move back to the East Coast and enroll at Carnegie University, which is the school that her sister had been attending when she passed away. Okay. That's like affiliated with the Knights of Arcadia. So this is like her intention to investigate her sister's death is the whole motivation behind this transfer. You get it. I got it. Yes. I got it. It reminds me of... um, the Boys of Zodiac. Have you read that one? I feel like that one pops up on like a recommended list all the time, but I haven't actually read it yet. Well, that one's fantasy, but it's the same thing, but it's a high school. The girl transfers mm. there because her brother dies. Okay. And so she's like, something's fishy. Reverse harem in high school makes me feel weird. I know. Like, I'll literally be reading a, like a description of a book. I'm like, this sounds so good. I can't wait to read it. And then I'm like, oh, wait, they're it's in high school. school. A bunch yeah. of like 17 year olds fucking just feels gross. <laughs> I mean, like good for you, but I just don't want to read it. Well, and I think it's been a while since I read that one, but I think, so they're, they're Faye. So their high school ends at like age 20 or something. So they're actually like 18 or 19, I think, if I'm remembering Or right. I feel like it's frequently that like the characters got held back. So they're like 19 in high school. And I'm like, this doesn't make me feel better about it. But all right. anyway, sorry. So the book starts chapter one. We're 10 months in the future. And this book is going to shift points of view several times. Every chapter, essentially, we're going to switch. Um, we're going to switch between the dudes. We're going to switch between Edie. So we, first chapter, we are now following point of view, Leo Jarvis, Leonardo Jarvis. His grandfather, very, very high up in the Knights of Arcadia, um, Leo had been, there's like different levels. So like you're a pledge. And then once you've kind of like made it through like the, the pledge level of getting into the Knights, you become a fledgling. And then after a fledgling, you become like a full-blown Knight. So all we know is that like Leo had been in this process and got kicked out at some point. Hmm. And how many dudes do we have in this harem? There's going to be three. Okay. At least in this one. We'll see in the future if anything shifts. Okay. So, yes, this book is 10 months in the future from the funeral where Edie decides she's going to avenge her sister's death. Um, Yeah, Leo's, like, super brash. His entire, like, demeanor is, like, I don't give a fuck. And, like, um, Edie's moving into Jarvis Hall, and his name is Leo Jarvis. And so he's, like... I'll kick out of, like, I'll kick everyone out of the residence hall if they don't fuck me. Like, I have that clout. He's just gross. Yeah, he's like the black sheep of his family. Um, his grandfather has given him the job of spying on Edie um, to make sure she's not doing shit she shouldn't, but he doesn't really know what that means. He's just like, my grandpa told me to, like, watch her. I guess that's what I'm going to do. And so he's watching her as she gets to Carnegie. Mm-hmm. So she gets to school, and when she gets there, like, she had been on the West Coast and was kind of outside of the society. So she's, like, way more like, I'm wearing, like, jean cutoffs and no makeup and not, like, super, like, mm-hmm. business casual attire as her resting state, I guess. <laughs> and so, like, she gets there, and she's already, like, she's like, all right, I'm moving in. She's moving into D 
Dee's old dorm room. Ooh. Yeah, so she's moving into her sister's dorm. She's already, like, plotting her, like, fucking Nancy Drew skills on how she's going to solve this mystery. And then suddenly she runs into her best friend, Prince Oliver. Um, And— Hold up. Yes. Time out. Yep. No, go for it. I was about to explain, but I can't wait for the questions. So is his name Prince, or is he a prince? He is a prince. Um, He has royal lineage over in England, and she always calls him number five. And, like, later in the book, someone's like, why do you call him number five? And she's like, because he would be fifth in line for the throne had there not been this scandal where, like, he's not— Eligible? Yes. Okay. So he's an actual prince. So his name is Oliver. His name is Oliver. And they're besties. They're besties. They've grown up together. So how did she not know that he was there and she was going to see him? Because he's been in love with her since childhood. So how does that preclude her from knowing he's going to be there? Because he's like, oh, I'm also going to show up at the school and then attend and then protect her and keep her safe while she is hell-bent on solving this mystery. So this is a, like a wink-wink stalker situation. Honestly, I low-key felt that way a little bit. Um, like, he, she like doesn't know that he was planning all of this. We'll also, we're going to switch to Oliver's point of view in a second. Okay, okay. Um, so she runs into Oliver. Oliver's also like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm also living in this dorm room. And she's like, Jarvis Hall is a girl's dorm. And he's essentially <laughs> like, I'm royalty, bitch. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And you're in this building, oh, so good. I'm in this building. There's two of them. Yes. Great. So, yes, we then switch to Oliver's point of view and perspective. Oh, also worth noting, um, we get D, not we, D, we get Edie into Dee's dorm, and the roommates were all thinking they were being sweet, and they cleaned up and boxed up all of Dee's stuff. Mm. Right? Exactly. So then, like, Edie's pissed because the room is clean, and she's like, now, like, I'm, it's going to be harder to find clues and everything from, like, where it kind of had been. So, like, she's pissed because she gets there, and the dorm, dorm mates had, like, cleaned the room and thought they were being helpful, but were not. So, yeah, we switched to Oliver. Um, the prince. Like before. All, yeah, Prince Oliver. He's been in love with her since childhood. They met, I think, when they were like nine or some shit like that. They lost their virginity to each other in high school. And then once her sister passed away, he like became very nervous and was just kind of keeping closer tabs on her, which, yes, to your point, even when I was reading it, I was like, so he stalked her. It doesn't really sound like she knew any of this well, was happening. And so, like, were they together when they slept together? Or was it like a, you're a dude, I'm a chick, we're friends, like, let's see It was what more it's of about. that. Like, they've never been in a full relationship together. Okay. I think it was more like, we grew up together, you're safe, you're hot, let's, I'd, I'd rather lose my virginity to someone safe. I don't know. I'm creating a narrative here that I'm, the book may have told me, but I forgot, so I don't think it did, <laughs> so I'm just creating this one. Noted. Yeah, so, like, they move in, and then they're like, all right, let's, like, let's take a nap. So they lay down in her bed, and Edie falls asleep, and then Oliver's just sitting there kind of processing and thinking about all of this, and she's hot in there, and he's been in love with her forever. So he gets super worked up, and he starts masturbating in bed next to her while she's sleeping. By worked up, do you mean just wicked hard? Like, what does worked up mean? I I do, Hannah. I do mean (laughs) wicked hard. He got worked up. He got a log in the river. (laughs) There she is. And so, like, this is all while she's sleeping, Mm -hmm. and he just, like, comes on her sheets, which also, I got to say, I would be— 
I'd be so pissed. I'd be so pissed. I'd be so pissed. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? So just as an aside, which is not relevant right now, but I did just think of it. So I've been watching Trailer Park Boys, like re-watching it recently. Go on. Love it. And at one point, Bubbles, I don't remember the context, but Bubbles is like, oh, yeah, he was feeding the geese as a way to say that somebody was masturbating. And I literally, like, looked at my husband and I was like, that shit's going in the podcast. And he was like, baby, you need the hand motion for that to make sense. Because it's like a he has his hand down low and it's like he's spreading bird feed but from his dick. And so that's, like, feeding the geese. So all I can think about right now is this motherfucker is feeding the geese in her bed he's and feeding it's messy. The geese. Okay, well, go. it's about to get, in my opinion, a little worse before no. it gets better. I don't know if it gets better. Um <laughs> But it does get worse. So he comes all over her sheets and then wakes her up by fingering her. Jesus Christ. And then is like super aroused by, he's like, oh, like if she moved her hand an inch lower, it would be in my jizz that's on her sheets. So then he's like, oh, I'm going to eat her out. So he takes his semen from the sheets and starts like smearing it all over her cuckoo as like a claiming motion before he eats her out and I hated everything about it. Can you do me a favor real quick and stop? (laughs) (laughs) Just stop? Okay I'm done. (laughs) Like and that's the episode y'all because I don't I have feelings and I need to call Nancy my therapist because I have feelings. Hey Nancy Thanks for all you do. I'm so sorry that this caused some shit. And so then he's eating her out. And then he's like, and now we're playing London Bridge, which is our game, which is where I spell out the words London Bridge with my tongue on her nether region. That is not what a London Bridge is. But anyway, carry that, on. You're right. That is not what a London Bridge is. It's his own game version of a London Bridge. Um, so they play London Bridge, his version of it. She comes, and then she offers to blow him. But then he's like, oh, I don't want to take advantage of my depressed best friend. So then he just goes into her bathroom and masturbates again. (laughs) So I distinctly remember about 30 seconds ago asking you to stop. (laughs) What the fuck? Remember before we started this book and I looked at you and said... At some point, you're going to be like, what the fuck? And you're like, that's going to be a big thing to get me to say what the fuck about a sex scene. And I'm like, also, this is like chapter two or three of the book. So, yes, he goes, he masturbates. Um, and then they're like, hey, like they decide together they're, they need to go shopping to get her an updated wardrobe so she can fit in at the pretentious school because she wants to pledge to become a knight. So she's like, the only way I'm going to figure out what happened to my sister is if I join this fucking secret society. So does Ollie Ollie Oxenfree, is he a member of this fucking society or is he just like? He also wants to pledge it, which, and because he's a prince and it's like all like powerful, affluent men. Gross. Yes. Um, So they're essentially like, you need to fit in and like lose the black sheep vibe. So they go shopping for clothes. And then while they're out shopping, the cashier at the clothing store, her name is Holly, and Dee and Edie look pretty similar. 
And like, honestly, I thought they were twins. <laughs> the entire time I read this book, I was like, yeah, they're twins. They're twins. They're twins. And then when I read the prequel afterwards, I was like, no, Delilah was like a year older, but they looked very, very similar. And so everyone knows that Dee has passed away tragically. Um, and Holly, the cashier, like mentions like she knew Dee um, and was one of the last people to see her alive. Why would you mention that in casual conversation? And then she agrees to meet them for coffee so she can answer their questions because they're trying okay. to get to the bottom of it. Okay. You seem just so over this one already. <laughs> and I think we're still in chapter three. So I'm nervous about. No, I, I, am, I love it because there's so much here. But also. Buckle in. But I also hate it. Yes. So <laughs> what we find out is that Holly was hired by D to be part of the entertainment for Devil's Night. And Edie's like, what the fuck? Like, what do you mean my sister was, like, scheduling the entertainment of, like, scantily clad women? And, like, she's like, that doesn't sound like my sister. What the hell? And then Holly had signed an NDA saying she wouldn't talk to anyone about anything. And she was never even questioned by the police about what she saw. So she was at the mansion that the Knights of Arcadia had the Devil's Night party at was one of the last people to see Dee and was never questioned by police. She does say that she saw Dee arguing with someone on the dock. Okay. We don't know who. Um, and then she was like, yeah, it's so sad that she passed away. Like, I, I, like, they said she couldn't swim. And then Edie gets all pissed and she's like, yeah, she couldn't swim, but she wouldn't have been in the water because she couldn't swim. Mm-hmm. So, like, she didn't drown. Like, something happened to her. She would not have been in the water. Um, and then Ollie, like, after this whole conversation, Ollie asks Edie if she's spoken to Keegan. Keegan is Dee's fiancé, who's a senior at Carnegie University, okay. where they all attend. Um, but Keegan's been, like, MIA since Dee passed away, like, wasn't even at her funeral. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like... They're like, no, we haven't, but, like, things were weird, and so I don't really know. Um, and then Edie is like, I think it was when Holly was sitting there. I don't know. There's so much that happens in this book. But, like, she looks at Ollie, and she's like, oh, like, I'll be, like, I'm a great wing woman. I'm happy to be your wing woman this year. And Ollie, it, Oliver, is like, I'm only here for one reason. Edie, in case that wasn't obvious. <laughs> I'm only here for one reason, and that is the dubious consent of <laughs> fingering you and eating you out while you are asleep. Yeah, like, he woke her up while fingering her, but I do think there's another level of consent that's needed if you're rubbing your semen on someone. I would agree. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good thing, Hannah. I'm glad. Um, all right, so... Back to Leo now. We have that scene. Back, Back to, to Leo. Leo. So Leo is just like, I've been following Edie and she's not, she's not a threat. She's not doing anything. And then he like sees her like out and about in her new clothing. He's like, yeah, she's just as pretentious as the rest of them. I guess what I saw when she showed up a little more casual wasn't really who she was. So his grandpa calls to check in while Leo's like just straight plowing into this redhead. Just like good for Leo, right? Mid fuck, grandpa calls. Well, hold up, he answers. Yeah, because 
That's the sort of person Leo is. Okay. Um, well, so it's about to get worse again before it gets better. <laughs> that- but it didn't get better the first time. <laughs> so while they're on the phone, Grandpa tells Leo that he's going to let Edie pledge for the nights, that her dad is a knight and was like, I want Edie to have the chance. So she's going to get to pledge. Also, where were they in person? I don't know. At some point, like, Leo's grandpa calls him to him. He's like, yeah, sure. So I think this part, the actual conversation is in person after he was plowing into the redhead. So grandpa's like, yeah, Edie's going to get to pledge to be a knight. Um, and part of the reason we're letting her pledge is because there's like rumors circulating that like Dee was killed because she was a female who was pledging. And so they're like trying to like suddenly pretend like they give a shit about gender equality, even <laughs> though it's this like sexist old man society. Um, And then grandpa is like, yeah, and another part of this, Leo, we're reinstating your fledgling status as a Mm. knight. So you're now back in the fold of it. Um, And then his grandpa, like, grandpa's telling Leo, like, do whatever you need to do to, like, get to the bottom of what's going on with Edie. Like, fuck her, own her, do whatever you need. And then... The redhead that Leo had been boning suddenly walks into the room and starts giving his grandpa a blowjob. Back to Edie. (laughs) Okay. The look on Hannah's face is like, what the fuck is happening here? I mean, I just... Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> That's your only... Oh, no. Okay, so back to Edie. Well, wait, 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 wait. Did the redhead know Grandpa? Or did she just walk in and was like, I'm into that wrinkly sack? Or like, what? We don't really know the redhead's motivations. <laughs> but Grandpa's mm. kind of one of those old, creepy, powerful men who thinks women are objects. Gross. So I think it was more of, like, a power play for, like, oh, you thought this, like, hot little redhead was yours? She's not. She's mine. And, like, it was more to, like, fuck with Leo than anything else. Okay. So I hate Grandpa. Carry on. That's the right feeling to have. (laughs) Yes. Hold on to that anger. So back to Edie. Um, Edie and Oliver both get their invites to pledge for the night's. We also learned Oliver made himself an identical class schedule to Edie so that she, he could keep her safe and keep an eye on her. Um, so he needs therapy. I, and I think they all do. But especially him. Not the dude whose grandpa just got a blowjob from the girl he was fucking. I mean, him too. Not the, not the girl whose sister was murdered. These are the three we know so far. I feel like if there is anyone who's potentially dangerous, it's the one who is not so mildly stalking his childhood love. Valid. I'm just saying, like, that's not even my professional opinion, just (laughs) as a woman. You know, that is fair. So they're, like, walking across campus to class, and they see Keegan on campus, and, like— So wait, they being Edie and Edie and Oliver. Yeah, Edie and Ollie are walking to class because they have identical class schedules, and they see Keegan walking across campus, and, like, Edie's like, I want to go confront that motherfucker. 
And then when like, she looks at him, she's like, he is looking rough. Like, he is looking haggard. Like, Kikin does not look like he's doing okay. Maybe there's a piece of this puzzle that, like, is still missing for me. So then um, when Edie kind of goes up and, like, wants to confront Keegan, suddenly Mr. Barclay is there. Um, Mr. Barclay is the hot econ professor. His first name is Alric or Alric. I don't Ulrich? A-L-A-R-I-C? Mm. Not Ulrich. Alaric? Ulrich? Ulrich? Honestly, his entire fucking name. Ulrich Barclay. <laughs> I'm like, what? Who hurt you, more? Why is this the name we chose? You know, remember in our very first episode when we talked about the name Ryder and Rich Bold or Rich Ripe and Smooth or whatever the fuck it was? Like, if there's a name that is not Rich Ripe and Smooth, it would be Alaric Barclay. It does not roll off the tongue with ease. That <laughs> is a doesn't. fair statement. So Mr. Barclay, Prof. Barclay, I guess, is mm. suddenly there. The hot econ professor, like, intercedes and then is like, hey, Edie, can I speak with you? Um, and then he, like, mentions the night's invite and, like, the activity at 8 o'clock that night. And then Edie's like, what? There's an invite? Or, like, there's an activity at night? Like, I got the invite, but I didn't see anything about, like, an activity. Um, and then Edie, like, mentions that to Oliver and is like, yeah, he mentioned this activity. Like, what? Um, and Ollie's, like, so weird and just kind of evaded. And then Edie was like, are you not – is he, like, trying to sabotage my chances? Like, is Oliver trying to sabotage my chances of becoming a knight? Mm-hmm. He is. <laughs> so. Spoiler. Switch, switch back to Ollie. Ollie did hide the knight's note about the event at 8 p.m. that night. But why? Because he wants to keep Edie safe and doesn't think going down this, like, very dark pathway of trying to avenge her sister's death is the way to do that. But, yeah, so then, like, Oliver, like, goes and, like, confronts Barclay. And Barclay's like, listen, asshole, I hand-delivered the invite, so I know she was supposed to know it was at 8 p.m. So what what happened? Do I need to tell her that, like, you're fucking with her? So then, like, we're getting into those aspects. So we have, like, a, a dick measuring situation. A little bit. And so now we have met the three dudes. Okay. You so have, Barclay's the third. Yes. You have Leo, Ollie, Barclay. But I want to call him Barclay. I'm just going to say the professor. That's fine. <laughs> that's, that's at least that nickname makes sense. Some of the nicknames you go with for books, I'm like, we don't know who that's about. The professor does make sense. In my brain, it tracks. And I could explain it sometimes, but I just choose not to. And sometimes I guess I do explain it. But regardless, the professor is correct. Makes sense. Yes. So there's kind of this like power dynamic there. So then Edie and Oliver end up having this conversation and she's like, don't use kid gloves with me and like, don't get in the way of my plan. Like I like uprooted my life and came here to figure this out. So like, don't fuck with that. And he's like, yeah, 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 totally, totally, totally. Then he's like, do you want a sip of water before we, like, go to this thing? Is he drugging her? He was totally going to try and drug her. And so he was going <sighs> to try and do it anyway. But Leo happened to walk past and just, like, like accidentally hits the water bottle out of his hands and is like, sorry, and just keeps walking. So did Leo know? Not that it was drugged. Leo's also just kind of an asshole. So <laughs> okay. it could have honestly just been by chance. Um, just general douchery. Yes. So at the meeting with all of the knights, they announced that they're like, oh, 
For female pledges' safety, they'll now be assigned a knight, a fledgling, and a pledge as they go through the trials to keep them safe. Mm. I wonder who her knight and fledgling and pledge will be. Who could it be, Hannah? It's a mystery that you're going to solve right now, probably. Yeah, so Edie's assigned Barkley, Leo, and Oliver. <laughs> I know none of us saw that coming. Oh, wow. Um. So... The meeting's done. They're, they all go. And then Leo's like, hey, let's all go to Jarvis Hall. We need to have a meeting. Let's all get on the same page. So they all go into um, Edie's dorm. And she has like three dorm mates. And Leo calls a dorm meeting. and For like the building? For the girls living in their like dorm suite. Okay. And it takes his dick out. And it's like, if one of y'all can make me nut, you can stay. But if you can't, all of you are out. And we're taking this space over. So, um, (laughs) hold on. Um, why? (laughs) I'm struggling so hard because, like, There's so many. Why didn't he just tell them all to get the fuck out? Why did he need to take his dick out about it? Because you don't get your dick sucked that way, Hannah. If you just tell them to leave. But he wanted them to leave. Did he? Or did he want his dick sucked and to make a power move? did he get his dick sucked? So. God damn it. A redhead roommate. Yes, yet another redhead. I'm sensing that Leo has a type. Right. Um, Starts blowing Leo. Just, like, drops your knees and is like, all right, if that's what I got to do, that's what I got to do. So she drops on her knees, starts blowing Leo. Barclay looks around and he's like, well, if it's necessary, Gina, you've got me. And Gina's, like, the class president. She's like, okay. So she just gets on her knees and starts blowing Barclay, the professor as well. Um, And then another girl steps forward to Oliver and is like, I guess, like, you're mine. But Oliver, like, turns to Edie and he's like, there, in, there isn't a reason why she shouldn't blow me, is there? Like, totally trying to play Edie's hand. And Edie's like, nope, live your life. So Leo decides, he's like, all right, the girls get five more minutes. If they can't make any of us orgasm in five minutes, they're all out. But then Edie's like, I don't want these dudes as fucking roommates. So she decides she's going to help the girls out. So Good for her. So she goes over to Oliver and starts jacking Oliver off while his, while the other girl is still blowing him. Um, and he got like real, real close. And then right as like Leo calls time, Oliver comes like right afterwards. So then they're like, okay, fuck. So then the guys decide to lock Edie up stairs in her room while like they deliberate and come up with a game plan and they kick the other girls out. And then all of the dudes are like, trying to come up with a game plan, and then they overhear Edie masturbating upstairs in her room because she's doing it loudly. Okay. Um, in the morning, they unlock Edie's room, and then she picks the lock on Leo's door. I don't know. I don't. doesn't matter. All I have written is, in the morning, they unlock Edie's room. She picks lock on Leo's door. Sexual attention moment. Like, nothing happens between Leo and Edie, but there's just this, like, budding chemistry between them. Right, because she watched him get blown, and then he heard her masturbate. You get it. (laughs) 
you you get all of this book. I almost don't even need to review it. Mm. Um. So then the whole gang is like, we're going to meet at a coffee shop to like game plan. And then the barista at the coffee shop like looks at Edie and is like, oh, are you Dee's twin? Like, like was like, I knew your sister. Um, like another is, one. Yeah, it's like very clearly like n- knows who Edie is. And then as they're leaving, the barista like tries to grab Edie to talk to her. Pisses Leo right the fuck off. So Leo knocks him down to the ground. And oh, it's a boy barista. Yes, a boy barista recognizes a barista. I'm sorry. <laughs> if it's a girl, Phoebe. If it's a boy, Phoebo. Yes, that's you get it. So the male barista sees Edie and then like is like, oh, like I knew your sister, and then tries to grab her as she's leaving because he wants to talk to her, and it pisses Leo off. So Leo knocks the barista on the ground and then takes his dick out, planning on peeing on the dude to make an example out of him. So I am sensing that Leo has some anger issues. Yes, and that you know how toddlers tend to have a fascination with their penises. Leo never moved past that. Why is it why is his first move to just whip his dick out? That's the first move every time. I think a lot of dudes would want to have that as their first move if but it were they more. Don't they have impulse control? Okay, so the problem is really Leo's lack of impulse control. I don't know what the problem is, but there is one. There's definitely problems, <laughs> and we will learn a little bit more about why Leo is the way Leo is. I don't think I want to. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so then, like Edie uh. intervenes and is like, "You aren't going to piss on this dude." So, um. She tries to intervene. Leo throws her over his shoulder. She bites him. Then an admin comes and breaks it up and is like, drags Edie and is like, you need to come with me to the admin office. We need to figure this out. And so they're at the admin office. And then suddenly there's a bag over her head and she's grabbed and thrown in a car. Welcome to the trials. It's the first trial as a pledge to make it into the Knights of Arcadia. Okay. What? None of us saw that coming. I'm floored. Right? Hey there, smut puppies. We'll get you right back to the show in just a moment. But first, do you like us? Maybe even love us? Because we sure love you. And if you do love us, don't tease us. Tell us in those ratings and reviews wherever you're listening right now. Maybe even send us over to a special sexy someone that would enjoy getting smutty with us. Because you know the first rule of Smut Club is to talk about Smut Club. All right. I won't keep you any longer. Let's get back to the show. Mm-hmm. Switch to Oliver. Oliver's the first one to realize that Edie's gone. So we do have to thank his stalkerish ways for something at some level. But has he not already planted a tracker on her person? Because if he was a good stalker, he would have had a tracker on her person. No, but Leo does in the future. Noted. Yeah. So he realizes Edie's gone. All of the guys meet back at Jarvis Hall. And they're like, fuck, what do we do? This is part of the trials. Like, we clearly need to go get her back. Um, Leo hadn't realized that, like, the admin who came and grabbed her— was 
sorry, Hannah, that was my foot. Um, I just reached out. I just moved my foot. <laughs> Hannah got this look on her face. I did not realize my foot was then touching her bare foot. We had an awkward <laughs> moment of eye contact. I straight up thought that was Brandon. I could tell. Ooh. Also, Brandon's my dog, not my husband. I know this book seems to have some like <laughs> fetishy things, and I just want to be very clear that like my husband was not under the table, nor was my dog trying to get to Hannah's feet. So there's that. Um, yes. Leo did not realize that the admin was a knight who was like, I need to talk to Evie. Got it. So while they're all at the dorm kind of like plotting and brainstorming, a bouquet of black roses get delivered. And they have another that says like, to the death of your partnership, unless you can find her. Huh. Um, so Leo calls his grandfather to ask where she is. Um, and grandpa's like, yeah, all of the female pledlings were taken. It's a fight to get them back first. Like, all of the teams were careless. Y'all are not doing a great job at this. Leo, kind of from some context clues, guesses where she's at, and he's right. So, like, they all get in a car and drive to this house in an affluent neighborhood, and, like, Leo just happens to have a key, but we don't fully know why. And Edie is tied up there, and there's a camera on her. So they find her, and they're like, we got her back. Fuck you. Switch to Edie. <laughs> okay. There's really no other way to, like, it feels... The chapter shifts feel as dramatic reading them as describing them. Have you ever watched Bob's Burgers? It's one of my favorites, Bob's Burgers. I have definitely seen episodes, but I wouldn't say I watch it consistently. So there are a set of twins in Bob's Burgers named Andy and Ollie. And they do this thing every now and then where they go, back to you, Andy, back to you, Ollie, back to you, Andy, back to you, Ollie. And that's all I can think about right now. That's a pretty apt description because I feel that exact way. <laughs> back to Edie. Um, so back to Edie. They're now at the dorm. Edie, rightly so, she has a panic attack and is sure. like freaked the fuck out. Understandable. And she locks herself in her room. And Ollie like comes to her door and he's trying to help. And she's like, no, I don't want to be near anyone. So then Barclay like picks the lock, lets himself into her room. And they end up cuddling. And like he's like helping her calm down. Um, and then he tells her that the house that she was at was the house that Leo grew up in where Leo's, like, parents died. So, like, there's, like, a mindfuck on several levels. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, so we learn Leo's parents are dead. Yes. In this. And so, like. And that He's always kind of been reliant on his grandpa because his parents were dead. Right. So he could manipulate him more. And the professor's creepier than we thought. Just cuddling with a woman who's having a panic attack. I mean, I think it was post-panic attack. Like, it didn't seem as, like, it seemed more helpful in the book than creepy. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Post-panic attack, if you were, like, coming down from it. So, I just want to say, like, in the context of the the sheet jizz and the the sleep fingering and the whipping the dick out, like... The cuddling is creepy. That's <laughs> like that's the part that you're like, that's the part where you go, what the fuck is the cuddling? <laughs> Leo yes. just planned on whipping his dick out to piss on a man and cuddling is freaking you out. Nancy? <laughs> we, I, I think we may have found something for you and Hannah to talk about next session. I have some questions. Ooh. The best part of this is Nancy is like a 
I don't know, 70 year old lady who's just lovely and so sweet. And I would never discuss dick whipping with her. <laughs> Maybe I would. I shouldn't say that. Unless it was therapeutically appropriate yeah, and necessary. It's not just something I would bring up randomly. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Nancy. Um, so Leo decides he's going to go confront his grandfather because he's pissed. And his grand grandpa is like, just let you know, he's like, this isn't for show. Like, you actually are back as a fledgling status with the Knights. Like, don't fuck it up. Like, you can actually get back in. Um, Leo kind of starts to, like, get triggered and have some flashbacks from his parents' house. And so he's like, fuck all this. I'm just going to go get drunk. I'm going to go to the bar. I'm not dealing with any of this. I'm going to find a redhead. Essentially, like, I guess that's his thing. So I don't know if she was a redhead. He does take home the bartender to the dorm room that he's sharing with the two other dudes and Edie. Um, so he takes her home. And then as they're coming in and, like, making, like, Leo and the bartender are making noise in the foyer, Edie's in the kitchen and, like, hears them. So she interrupts and, like, tells the bartender that Leo has an STD. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And so the bartender's like, all right, well, I'm out of here. Good talk, everybody. So then Leo is like, like, I'm going to make, like, looks at Edie and he's like, you have to check my dick for STDs. Get on your knees. So she does. Um, Yes. She, Edie is inspecting Leo's dick for STDs. He has his dick pierced. So... This doesn't sound like a medical evaluation. (laughs) (laughs) You mean the college student who just cock blocked him? It doesn't seem like a medical evaluation when she's on her knees just staring at his dick piercing? No, it does not. Well, and then he's like, have you ever seen a guy with a... Or have you ever been with a guy with a pierced dick before? And she's like, no. And he's like, you probably never will because I doubt you could satisfy my appetite. Then he just puts his dick away and leaves the room. (laughs) Okay. So he does have some impulse control. (laughs) I also want you guys to know, since you aren't here and can't see this happening, um, my husband, as we've mentioned previously, produces the podcast and he's currently sitting at the end of the table just looking at me like (laughs) Chelsea what the fuck book is this like any reaction Hannah's having my husband is having the same one silently five feet away from her like we are both just continuously covering our faces and silently (laughs) like laughing but it's not a laugh it's like a it's a cry for help (laughs) So, <laughs> back to Edie. <laughs> back, okay. Back to Edie. It's the next morning. The whole crew is having a little powwow in the kitchen. I'm just powering through this. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> like, both Hannah and my husband are in tears right now. So, okay. we're having a kitchen powwow. We're having a kitchen powwow. I'm tracking. I'm with you. And they're discussing security for the dorm. And Barclay's like, oh, yeah, I hired a security team to come in, make sure, like, nothing can happen to Edie again. And then Leo's like, you think I leave my dorm unprotected? There's cameras everywhere. And he's like, check out what my cameras picked up in our foyer last night. 
Um, so then Edie's like, oh, shit, no, I can't let them see. So when Leo grabs his phone to show the video of Edie doing her um, layman's STD check, she, Edie just takes his phone and, like, throws it into another <laughs> room. Like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and then, like, Leo's like, if my phone is broken, I'm going to be super pissed at you. So as they are... Then walking to class, Ollie and Edie are walking together. The dudes have all decided, like, at no point will Edie be left alone. Just oh, my God. Is it a buddy system? Buddy system. We love a good buddy system. <laughs> buddy. <laughs> so we love a good buddy system. As they are walking to class, they pass Anne-Marie. She's another pledge. Um, and she's just a bitch. Um, always has been a bitch. And she's like, oh, like, I heard my guys found me faster than yours. I guess they're so much better at taking care of me than yours are. And it's just, like, kind of basking in the attention of the dudes that are around here. And they're like, all right, fuck her. We don't care. But Edie notices, like, Ollie is being weird. So then Ollie, like, pulls her into the stairwell and is, like, pushes her against the wall and is, like, grinding up on her. And he's like, you like bad boys, don't you? And then Edie's like, oh, shit, he saw more of the footage than I realized. And then <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> I'm afraid to no. say it. Honestly, it's not even bad. It's just all as everything is. Um, I believe our air just kicked on, and now my dog. Brandon is pissed about whatever is about to happen. That is what's happening. And or he's really excited. Brandon is really... He just wants to be invited to the party, man. He just wants to be near you. He's invited to every party. He's precious. Right? Um, but I wouldn't say either of my pets are known for their great boundaries. Mm. Yeah. And I will also say that's not on them at all. I have not made them have great boundaries, mm-hmm. so I can't be upset with the lack of them. Well, no. And earlier today, Craig tried to get up on my shoulder and was all up on me. Craig is a cat. <laughs> I just figured important clarification. If y'all haven't listened, that to is any also not my husband. <laughs> my husband's name is Vance. My dog is Brandon, and my cat is Craig. Craig was all up on me, trying to get on my shoulder, and it was one of the best moments that I've had in a long time. And so, the lack of boundaries sometimes is not bad. Yeah, Craig fancies himself. A pirate's life. He wants to be the little parrot just perching on your shoulder. And he can be. It's the fucking best. He can be. Um, yes. So <clears throat> he's not in this scene, though. In this scene, <laughs> Oliver is like pushed Edie against the wall. And he's like, you like bad boys, don't you? And she realized like, she's like, oh, he saw the footage. He's trying to like assert his dominance. And like, and Oliver's kind of like, he's a taker, but I'm a giver. Um, I know how much you like clip play. Which I'm also like, I don't think I'd ever heard the term clip play before because I just thought that's just what normal. Yeah. You know, like I was like. Yeah. Like to me, I'm like, that's not being like, oh, I know how much you like blood play or breath play. Right. Or anything like right. that. I'm like, clip play just. For anyone who has a clit, I feel like they're into clip play. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't met anyone with a clit who's not into clip play. <laughs> I just think. Yeah. I'm like, cool. You like having someone's hand down your pants. But right. I, I don't think I've ever been like, hey, honey, I really need more clip play. Because <laughs> that's just not things people say unless you are disgraced British royalty in this book. Or really bad at it. 
<laughs> I was giving people more credit. Oh, that makes me sad. Um, yeah, so he like, I know how much you love clip play. And then like Ollie like brings Edie to orgasm in the stairwell. Well, good for him and yeah. her, I guess. Right, and then he's like, the next time you want to feel good, like come to me instead. And then Edie's kind of like, are you mad about the video? And he's like, I'm not mad. I just want you to see what's right in front of you. Like, it's always been you. So, like, he's getting more assertive and, like, actually telling her how he feels. Mm-hmm. Honestly, probably just because there's other people that he now views as a threat that he didn't right, before. Right, So there's a sense of urgency around. Yes. Right. Um, so now it's time for the next trial. Oh, no. We are still in Edie's perspective, still in Edie's point of view. When they get to the Knights building, Keegan is standing out from And Keegan sees who Edie's partnered with. And he's like, what the fuck? Get as far away as you can from Leo. You can't trust him. Like, if they partnered you with him, they want you to fail. Um, Like, you need to protect yourself. Don't trust anyone. So Keegan is, like, saying all this to Edie. And then Leo's like, shut the fuck up and just, like, beats Keegan up. Which seems to be, you know, essentially his M.O., um, they then blindfold Edie to lead, like, e- Edie and Oliver to, like, take them to the next trial. Mm-hmm. And they all get on a bus okay. to be driven to where this trial is happening. So, like, all of the the people who are in the trials are on the bus? And their teammates. Okay. Yes. So, like, while, like, Barclay's a full-fledged knight, he's, because he's on Edie's team, he's on the bus as well. Gotcha. And so she's being led onto the bus and things like, oh, it's Barclay because he's like nicer and quieter and like I can't really hear anything. And then realizes like it's actually Leo who is leading her onto the bus. Um, but I will say like on the bus, Leo's like surprisingly helpful and like kind and they're kind of like talking and they talk about Keegan and kind of how, um, so Dee and Keegan had been one of those like high society our children will marry each other for the advancement of our family names kind of thing. And so for the Mm. longest time, like, they really hadn't been in love with each other. But, like, well, Dee was always in love with Keegan, but Keegan was like, I'm just here for the family line shit. I don't really care. So kind of, like, talking about some of that stuff. Um, So is there a chance that Keegan becomes the fourth? If it does, that'll be in a future book. Okay. So it's not in this one. Okay. Um, Because that would be weird, I think. Well, I also felt that more reading this book. I was like, oh, Keegan might be a fourth in the future. But the prequel is Dee's story. Oh, okay. So the prequel ends, which is not a plot twist because we already know what happens. The prequel ends with how Dee dies. Okay. So we already know that full journey in Hush Hush. Now, mind you, I didn't read the prequel until after I read this one. So... For me, it was kind of filling in more context, but I thought the exact same. I was like, oh, like, is Keegan going to be the fourth? And then reading the book, I was like, oh, no, like, Keegan and Dee's relationship does develop more mm. in the prequel. To the point where, like, at the beginning, kind of, like, enemies to lovers, a little bit of a bully romance. Okay. Um, and then at the end, he was in love with her when she died. Okay. Which we will also get to in the future, but it's not, like, a really big spoiler. Um, Yeah. Like, at one point, like, in this conversation between Leo and Edie, she's like, maybe you and Keegan are a lot alike. And he's like, because I think everyone should get on their knees for me. Like some, like just this like brash, unnecessary. Um, he, Leo then drops his sweatshirt in Edie's lap. Now, mind you, once again, they are on a bus. She has a blindfold on. So this entire conversation they've been having, she has not been able to see him. And Leo drops his sweatshirt in her lap. 
And then he's like, this way people can't see when I check how wet you are. Hmm. So he starts fingering her. She starts getting super into it. So to be clear, people still know. Like, I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, it's not that secretive. At some point, every high schooler or college student has tried this with a blanket or potentially a sweatshirt. The number of times when I used to work in youth ministry that I'd be on a bus at 2 a.m. and I'd have to shout, hand check. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's a thing. It's not subtle. It's not. We know what you're doing. But I also think like, so any girl, because there are no female knights, D had been the first female pledge ever for right. the knights. Okay. So all of the females are blindfolded. All of the dudes, like, seem to have loose moral concern. Like, I don't think any dude would bat an eye at them fingering her on this bus, Well, still, I mean, everybody knows what you're doing. Like, he says, nobody's going to see. Everybody's going to know. Well, to be fair, he said, so people can't see while I check how wet you are. Not that they don't know that I'm checking how wet you are. So we might be arguing semantics. I was going to say, that really does feel like semantics. But okay, right. carry on. Oh, anyway. well, yeah. So this is going to continue. So I don't think we should get caught up at this, at this so current she's juncture. she's into it regardless. Yeah. So like she starts to get aroused and then like starts pinching her own nipple, like tries to like cover, like spread the sweatshirt to cover her own nipples as well while she pinches them. And then as she's, like, pinching her nipples and, like, getting super close, the bus stops. And so then Leo's like, everyone get the fuck off the bus. And so it's just their team on the bus. And Barclay's like, what do we have here? And Leo's like, a soaking wet female. And then Oliver is like, my girl loves someone to go down on her when she's this worked up. Um, So then they're like, okay, leave the blindfold on. We won't tell you which guy's going to go down on you. So all three dudes are standing there on the bus while one of them eats her out on the bus bench, but we don't know who's eating her out. Okay. But they tell her to moan all of their names just to cover their bases. Okay. At this point, I feel like you're done with the questioning. You're just like, okay, what next? (laughs) Okay, that too. Okay. And now? I mean, I just, I, I, hmm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't... So do we ever find out? Yeah, we do find out. Okay. Yes. Carry on then. Honestly, we find out in like the next chapter. I was going to say, I feel like it's probably pretty Yeah, she doesn't find out for a chapter or two. It was Barclay who ate her out. Okay. Um, Way to go, professor. Exactly. Um, While Leo stood there and watched. And I guess technically Oliver stood there and watched as well, but he was also blindfolded, so. He just heard it. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, Back to Leo. So (laughs) they they lead Edie and Oliver down to where this trial is happening. The trial is at a river, which is the River D. Dyden. So they're kind of like, is everything that we're doing just like, like we've like kidnapped, we've like, Taking the like the place where like D died, like are is are they just trying to fuck with Edie? Like Leo's actually kind of starting to like ask questions and realize like maybe things are a little off. Um, so their challenge is that all of the pledges have to go back between t- treading water in this like ice cold river and standing on burning hot coals until they're told otherwise. Okay. Yes, naked. Sure. They do get to take the blindfolds off. 
Oh, well, okay then. You know, to keep it fair, Hannah, they did allow them the power of sight again. When they're all naked. Yes. And so they're like, all right, like, Edie just kind of is like, this is what I need to do. Just gets quiet, like, kind of, like, gets her head in the game. Is like, fuck this. Like, I need to find out what happened to my sister. I just need to, like, do this. So I just want to point out. Okay. I feel like the women have an advantage here with the cold water that the men pledges do not. I don't think any of that matters right now. Um, so it is about— so well, they're all, right, all naked. Pause, Hannah, pause. Okay. Because we're about to go on a side journey. Like, it's about to get, like, real fucked up. We're, like, they're like, going back and forth. They're clearly struggling. They're going from this, like, ice-cold river to standing right. on these coals. And then they hop in the water. And then suddenly, like, some blonde hair starts to float closer to Edie. And she's like, what the fuck? And she, like— it, like, it touches her and it turns over. And Ooh. it was a model head doll with blonde hair that someone had written Delilah Aster across the forehead. Ooh. Yes. So then, like, Edie, very justifiably, like, starts screaming and losing her shit. Yeah. And that's where that scene ends. Okay. And that's all from Leo's perspective? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, and now we're actually switching to Barclay's perspective. Okay. Yes. So... They're now back on the bus. Um, Edie and Oliver are sitting next together, ne- next to each other together. Um, Barclay and Leo are sitting next to each other on the bus and, like, kind of debriefing what just happened. And they're like, Edie's clearly, like, it was like the river D died in, like, mm-hmm. the model head, like, what the fuck is happening? This is, like, not casual and this is all very intentional. So they all go back to the dorm and kind of start bonding and drinking together and, like, Barclay, like, cleans and bandages, like, both Edie and Ollie's feet for them. But then they start talking about Anne-Marie, the bitch from earlier. Mm -hmm. She was also part of this. And when Edie started screaming, when she saw the doll head, Anne-Marie started laughing. Mm. And so then everyone was like... She knew. Like, either she knew, or but either, like, no matter if she knew or not, they're like, it wasn't funny. This bitch needs to go. We're going to destroy her life. So then their whole team decides that they're going to, like, get this revenge plot together to destroy Anne-Marie's life. Oh, okay. um, Which kind of brings them, you know, they bond over it. Mm-hmm. And then Leo announces, like, Edie's going to sleep in his room. And she's like, because, like, we all agreed she, like, would, one of us would be with her 24-7. So she's going to sleep in my room. And she's like, okay, that sounds good. And then Ollie's pissed and, like, storms off to his own room. So back to Edie now. Also, pause. Going back. Because I know we were about to go on a tangent before. Then I was like, no, no, no. There's about to be a doll head that's going to fuck everything up. (laughs) I don't think women having an advantage in the cold water over men. I just mean, you know what I meant. (laughs) What did you mean, Hannah? I meant nipples and penises is what I meant. But what's the advantage when it comes to treading water? I mean, physically, there isn't one. But if we're <laughs> naked looking at each other, women have an advantage. Like, I don't— Tits he, are up. Um, I think when you're jumping in 40-degree water and standing on burning coals— <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you don't care while that's happening. But the people who are watching, because clearly there are people watching. But I think it was just, like, not bowing out. So I don't think there was any advantage. I mean, I don't mean, again, I don't mean (laughs) physically. I mean visually for the individuals watching. I don't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, listen, we've already gone on such a journey. (laughs) There's more of a journey Uh, to be had. Okay. Um, So... (laughs) 
do you not want to go on the rest of this journey? I'm in it now. Do you want me to stop the review you told now? Me, you told me to buckle in and I'm fully buckled. I know. I felt like you didn't believe me at first. I'm fully and buckled. And then we took the first few sharp turns and you were like, shit, I better buckle in now. Because I didn't before. All right. Back I to just, Edie. I just tightened the belt is what happened. Carry on. Back to Edie. She's in Leo's room. And Leo's actually like, I'm going to grab a blanket and go sleep on the couch in my room. And she's like, what? Okay. Um, so she's laying in his bed. He's laying on the couch. And then she starts to hear him watching porn and, like, stroking himself. And then he starts narrating the porn to Edie. And so, like, telling her, like, oh, like, this is what they're doing. Like, she starts to get pretty worked up. And then she realizes that she recognizes the, like, the description. And it's a recording of her on the bus. <laughs> And she's like, wait, so then it wasn't you who was going down on me if you were recording. And he's like, maybe it was me licking you and someone else was was recording and already texted out. Like, who can say? And so then Edie tries to get out of bed to go see the video. And Leo's like, if you come over here, I'm going to delete this. So, like, don't ruin my moment. (laughs) And Edie's like, you mean my moment? And Leo's like, I'll give you a moment to remember. Um... What a threat. Oh, actually, that may have been Edie saying that. I don't know. They get naked. She starts touching herself. Leo rips off her panties so he can watch her touch herself. They maintain eye contact while they both masturbate. Um, Leo mm, comes all okay. over her boobs. Okay. And then... I mean, considering all the other things that have happened, that feels pretty tame at yeah. this point. And then he's like, you should always be wearing my cum. And she's like, like a mark. And he's like, like I own you. So, okay. Just something about the way you dropped your voice to deliver that. Really. How would you have preferred me deliver that line? I don't know. I'm not. I'm just pointing it out that it was a thing that happened. It was. (laughs) I also don't think that's the first time, nor will it be the last time I (laughs) dropped my voice for a dramatic part of a reading. No, and I know that I have done the same, but something about that particular moment just stuck with me. So anyway. Well, also the O words are always weird. Like own, obedience, (laughs) like you will obey me. And you're like, "Mm." will I? I don't think I will. 10 bucks says I won't, bitch. Like... (laughs) Really? I don't think that's going to happen. Right. I was on board until you used that O word, and now I don't care if I come, but I'm going to make sure you don't. (laughs) So I'm vindictive (laughs) with it as well. All right. So it's the next morning. Switch to Oliver. They decide to set the Anne-Marie plan in motion. They know Anne-Marie's dad has been having an affair with her secretary, so they essentially schedule this meeting, and they plan on, like, going and— um, accidentally walking into her dad's office over his lunch break when it's everyone knows he's fucking his secretary. So, um, like, Edie gets dressed in some of Delilah's clothes and, like, finds one of her, like, more, like, business-appropriate dresses. And when she does, the note falls out. Like, a love note falls out of all of Delilah's belongings that says, can't wait for your big day. I've memorized your body. So then— Well, okay. Yeah, so then Edie's like, what? Who sent this? Do we know anything about this note? Like, this makes me feel weird. She's like, I need to go through the rest of her stuff at some point to see if I can figure all of this out. Um, what happens next? Honestly, there's so much happening. Um, 
There's like a, like all of them, I don't remember if it's all of them. Honestly, here's what I wrote. Has a slight clearing of the air after last night. Edie says, I don't know what this is between us yet. With Leo, I know where I stand. Oh, she's talking to Oliver at this point. Like Oliver, because mm. he had been pissed. That's what it was. There's so much that happened. I was like, I can't even keep track of my notes. Yes, because all... Because Leo had announced that, like, she was staying in his room and Oliver got pissed. Right. So, like, clear the air. Then she's like, listen, like, I think for Edie, it's that Leo feels easier than, like, fucking up a lifelong friendship with Oliver. So, it's like, I don't want this to go sideways and I don't know what this is with you yet, but with Leo, I know where I stand. So, it seems like she's not, she doesn't even really like Leo She's, like, attracted to him and can tolerate him, but she's she doesn't have, like, a, an attachment to him at this point. I think it's forming with all of them, but it was just right. already the most pronounced with Oliver because mm. they had all of the history. Because mm. um, then Oliver also kind of notes that, like, both Barclay and Leo have been, like, more into Edie and more intentional and... He's like, oh, shit, like, I may actually need to, like, fight for her if this is what mm. I want um, or they'll ruin my chances. So, yeah, I can't remember if I said that. We'd switch to Oliver. I don't know. We're back to Edie now. They're together. Does it matter? Um, so Edie and Oliver go to Anne-Marie's dad's office. They have the camera in hand. They plan to start recording since he normally bones his secretary at lunch when they accidentally, like, so, like, when they get there, um, Anne-Marie's dad's office door is already cracked and it's not closed. And like, what is this about? And then when they look in, they find Anne-Marie boning Franklin Jarvis, Grandpa Jarvis, Leo's grandpa. Anne-Marie is boning Leo's grandpa in her father's office. And then in the corner, her father's just standing there watching. Mm. The look on your face says you hate everything about this. Okay. Yeah, so they're like, yep, this is not what we said. <laughs> they're like, we're out of here. This is not what I signed up for. I just thought I was going to ruin her life by releasing videos footage of her dad boning his secretary. I didn't think I'd watch her bone Leo's grandpa while her dad stood in the corner and watched. Although, I feel like that would equally ruin her life. I agree. Yeah, I'm like, that's not better. I mean, like, the grandpa boning, I feel like could go one way or another, really. But the dad in the room, it just puts it, like, on another level. Like, we're done here. Well, so then they, like, take off and escape through the elevators. But they're, like, they gasped when they saw it. And, like, there was, like, (gasps) the sound that was heard. So... As they get off the elevators, a random dude walks up and is like, were you just up on that floor? Like, no, what are you talking about? The dude who's questioning them is Vincent Jarvis, Leo's douchey cousin. Mm. Um, and he kind of cuts off the office or like their exit and is like asking, like, were you just up at like K- Kennedy's office? And they're like, no, uh-huh. who's Kennedy? Yeah. So then Leo intercedes and is like, oh, no, they're with me. And so they all just like are able to leave and they make it to the car. And then um, Barclay sitting in the back with Edie. And then Edie is like, we all need to talk. But, like, he's, like, or she wants to, like, tell them what's happening. But she's also like, well, Barclay's a knight and Leo's a fledgling. So, like, can I, like. Can I trust them? Yeah, can we trust them with this? Because this isn't, like, typical stuff. 
than eating. It's not typical. It's not typical. It's stuff. not typical to walk into a room and find a a a schoolmate fucking your other schoolmate's grandpa while her dad watches. That is not typical. You're correct. I would also like to note, I don't think it makes it better, but I don't think Leah was a schoolmate anymore. I think he graduated. It doesn't make it better. Yeah. So he's just there. You're like, Chelsea, that makes it worse. Fuck you. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Cause he's just hanging around in the dorm, whipping his dick out. His name's on the hall. It's Jarvis Hall. He's Leo Jarvis, I guess. Oh, well, then yeah. it's kosher. I know. It's Maybe totally I didn't fine. clarify that enough before to say that makes it okay to do things like pee on people. Happy Passover, everybody. <laughs> I, I hope this episode drops nowhere near <laughs> April and everyone has no idea what the fuck you were referring to. I'm like, okay. I'm so sorry. Anyway, yeah. so they don't know if they can trust no. them. And then Edie's like, take us to some place the knights would never go so that we can, like, maybe have a conversation about this. So Leo takes them to a go-kart place. Naturally. Right? And he's like, you know where the knights are too highbrow for? Go-karts. And they have great food there. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where he takes them. Good for Leo. Um, yes. But then, like, Edie's super hesitant to tell the guys anything because she's like, I don't know if we can trust them. So then... Barclay is like a secret for a secret and has Leo record him taking a video saying like, I went down on a student and that he lied to the Knights about why he wanted to return to Carnegie University. So we start to like learn like Barclay has some layers underneath mm-hmm. and like there's some things, but like we don't necessarily, we don't know any of that backstory. Um, so then Edie and Ollie tell them what they saw, i.e. Anne-Marie fucking Grandpa Jarvis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I, listen, listen. We we fully support age gap. Like I want to be clear. Like we're not here to kink shame anybody. No, but like, I'm not kink shaming the age gap. I'm we're kink shaming Grandpa Jarvis. Yes, who is gross. The, the power dynamic yes. is what yes. we are I shaming. I just wanted to point that out. Yes. We're cool. Like, you do your thing, man. But yeah. with a power dynamic like that, we won't get into a consent no. conversation, but I don't feel like consent well, can really I think be a thing. at least once an episode, we say consent is very important. Consent, consent matters. matters. <laughs> um, so, yes, Edie and Ollie tell them what they saw, and then Leo is like, I bet... That was an alliance move for Cousin Vincent and that Anne-Marie is going to be marrying into the family because Grandpa fucks every girl who marries into the family to show he's still the head of it. And then... um, Is uh, that like a prima nocta situation? I don't know what that means. Oh, my God. Have you never watched the movie Brave? Or not Brave. Yes, Braveheart. <laughs> Brave and Braveheart are going to be real different <laughs> Very movies. Different. It's Braveheart was the one I was thinking of. Um, I'm not going to lie. I probably haven't seen Braveheart in 20 years. Okay. So in Braveheart, kind of the whole point behind it is that the king has the power to deflower any woman on her wedding night as claiming rights of prima nocta or whatever. And so 
In Braveheart, the one guy's like, um, the king is not going to rape my wife. So they get married in secret, and then people find out, and his wife dies, and then he goes around killing people. But the point is, that's what this sounds like. It's like a prima nocta situation. Like, if you're going to marry into the family, you have to fuck the king. Yeah, and then her dad had to stand in the corner to make sure there was quality control. Listen, I was going to ignore that. How are we going to ignore her father doing quality control? By not mentioning it. It doesn't change it. That's just called avoidance, Hannah. I am very deep in experiential avoidance of her father watching her fuck a man that I imagine was, what, like 50 years older than her at least? Yeah. Well, and then Edie's like, I'm afraid that'll be me next. And Leo's like, I won't let that happen. Um, okay. Yeah. So then they all get back to the dorm room. There's a high-ranking member of the Knights there. His name is Jack Green. Um, and he tells them that they're in fourth as far as all of, like, the pledge rankings. Um, but then it also says for passing the second challenge, Edie and Ollie get a reward and the knights reward with your greatest sexual fantasy. Of course. And then Edie realizes like she is Oliver's greatest Aww, sexual fantasy, cute. which is sweet, right? Um, but then he's like, get up to my room and don't say another word. Like we're doing this shit because I feel like he's just been waiting for his chance. And he's like, I'm fucking taking this chance. I'm going to make her mine. This shit's on lock now. Exactly. So he orders her to his room. He's like definitely way more demanding than usual. And like Edie starts to realize like, oh, he is really giving during sex. Like I'm like, what did you think was happening? This, you mean the man playing London bridge with your clit? And then he went to masturbate in your bathroom because he didn't want to inconvenience his depressed He's friend? He's not a generous lover. He's not a generous lover. She thinks he is a generous lover. Well, now she knows. Well, I think he was a generous lover then as well. Was he? She didn't think so. I don't think, I don't think she ever thought of it. Like, it was just like, oh. Uh, okay. Like, she would, she'd, he'd give her a blowjob. That's not... <laughs> I know I've said that before. And then you were like, Chelsea, can women get blowjobs? And I'm like, I guess if he blows on it, you can. Um, So she. (laughs) I just, I don't think I've ever said it, but I think it bears saying now that I love that we're doing this. love it so much. Even if nobody ever hears any of this shit, I fucking love that we are taking the time to do this. Right? Oh, (laughs) me too. Yeah. So, all right. Here's the thing. I think Edie realized Oliver was just like always offering to go down on her. And then when she'd be like, oh, like she'd orgasm. Like, do you want want it? He'd be like, no, thanks. I'm good. Because he was just like trying to not ask anything of her. So I think she's like actually did start to realize like, oh, he's a really generous lover and maybe I've been a little bit selfish. Um, My notes. They have passionate wild sex. There's a lot of stuff that happens. I don't really know. Um, (laughs) But then she realizes that like the door is open and that Leo and Barclay can like hear everything that's happening. Nice. I'm sure Ollie did that on purpose. Oh, 1000%. Um, And then afterwards, Ollie's like, like he's still inside her and he's like I'm I'm never leaving because like I'm afraid I'll never have you again. I'm like you can't just stay inside of her indefinitely. 
Like that's not. That's unhealthy. Physically and emotionally. I was going to say. On a lot of levels. Um, So then Edie kisses him and is like, oh, maybe like our relationship is shifting. Okay. Yeah. I think she's coming to terms with like her best friend has real feelings for her. And she's like, do I want to destroy my relationship with my best friend for the sake of like potentially moving it to a romantic relationship? But I already lost my sister and like. Mm. So many layers. Yeah. Like I think she's, she's trying to process it. So we're back to Leo now. Okay. We are now a week in the future. Things have been calm. So hold up, hold up, hold up. So that was Leo's sexual fantasy did, or I mean, Ollie's sexual fantasy did. We'll get there. Okay. Yeah. We'll get there. I was like, hold up. Are we leaving out Edie? Because my girl deserves satisfaction. I mean, I think she got satisfaction with and during her experience. But it wasn't her yes. fantasy. She will get more satisfaction before the book <laughs> ends. Um, but you're you are correct. We have not gotten to her greatest sexual fantasy yet. Okay. I wonder well, what it could be. Well, so it is funny because they're a week in the future and like Edie is avoiding all of them and is just like, I'm keeping my head down. This has been getting wild. Um and Leo and Barclay are, like, talking in the kitchen about Edie's greatest sexual fantasy being all three of them. Nice. And um, they're, like, even the prince said that, like, the fantasy is all three of us. So Edie overhears, and she's like, I love that you guys are talking about my greatest sexual fantasy before I've even had coffee in the morning. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell? Um, and she's like, that's not what I want. And so then, like, Leo and Barclay kind of, like, my notes say, make her a sex sandwich, trying to get her to admit <laughs> it. Um, so, like, Leo starts, like, pushing in behind her, and Barclay pushes in on her front. And then, like, Leo spreads her ass cheeks to make a nook for himself. And then they're mm. like, what's your greatest fantasy? Um, yeah, so, like, that happens. And then they, like, mention Oliver and, like, the three of them. And she's like, well, Oliver left last night. And like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, like, he said he needed some space, and he left last night. So, like, it, like... Completely destroys the mood, kills the vibe. She goes to her room. And then Leo was like, oh, I'm going to go talk to Edie. And then when he gets outside her door, he hears her, like, leaving a voicemail for Oliver, being like, hey, Oliver, like, call me. I want to talk. And so then Leo's like, you need to figure out what the hell you want, girl. Like, Mm. you need to figure it out. Which I respect. Yeah. So switch to Barclay again. Mm -hmm. And he's walking to class, and suddenly he hears, like, Edie shouting behind him, and she's like, did Leo not mention that, like, you're supposed to be walking me to class? So I'm not alone. And he's like, fuck, no, he didn't. I'm sorry. So they're walking. Um, and, like, he asks Edie if, like, her parents are happy that she's at Carnegie University, and she's like, they're not, but I had to step up. Like, D was all dad had. And he's like, no, like, I'm sure you wouldn't think that. And, like, she cuts him off, and she's like, you don't know anything. Like, don't, like, don't. Cu- Stop tell, helping Yeah, me. like, don't tell me about my family dynamics. And Barclay's like, well, you're not the only one who's been through shit. Like, they're, like, starting to get in this fight about, like, clearly there's underlying stuff there. Then a random female student is like, Ulrich, or whatever his name is. (laughs) Because we don't know how to pronounce it. Um, And so he's like, oh, fuck, this girl's a crush on me. She can't take a hint. So he, like, goes to turn to Edie to be like, don't leave me alone with her. But Edie's already bounced. (laughs) And this girl is like, oh, like, I can't wait for everything you're going to teach us in class today. Wink, wink. Yeah. And he's like, my name's Professor Barclay to you. Is like really trying to set this boundary with her and she can't take a hint. So he goes and gets to his classroom, but then is like, 
where did Edie go? We're supposed to be keeping eyes on her. I can't ensure that she's safe. So he sits down at his desk and is like, I'll pull up her schedule on like the admin portal for the college that he has access Mm -hmm. to as a professor. So he sits down at his desk to do so. Edie is under his desk. Of course she is. Fondling his cock. Of course she is. (laughs) The look on my husband's face. (laughs) He's both laughing and nodding along, um, which is my favorite part. Yeah, so she's fondling his cock under the desk. And, like, they're, like, trying to stay quiet. So then Barclay's like, pop quiz, everybody. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he does have a pop quiz. Well, He sure does. (laughs) And he's like, hope you did did your reading last night because y'all are teaching the class today. So the first, like— super brown noser in the class he calls up and they like start lecturing and teaching and then Barclay's like no you guys try again go home and read the book we're ending class early you're all terrible yes um so my exact notes say decided to end class finish blowjob doesn't lock door strips Edie on his desk she gets head too Good for her. Right. But then when they go to leave, Leo is outside of, like, the classroom door. And he is pissed. And he's like, oh, you'll fuck everyone but me to Edie? And Edie's like, just because I'm attracted to you doesn't give you the right to talk to me like that. Like, Damn straight. No, sir. And Leo gets super pissed and, like, storms off. Um and then I what happens? I don't know, Chelsea. Neither do I. <laughs> fucking figure it out, dude. I'm all the way in now. I don't know. Edie and Barclay talk after they both performed fellatio on each other. It's it's not. It's not. <laughs> Never mind. It's not. Never mind. It's not. Hannah, I'm a couple of glasses of wine in at this point. <laughs> We're trying the best we can today. Well, I'm not here to complete education about the difference between fellatio and cunnilingus. I know. I so. said I said they both got fellatio. And then I was like, that's not the word. And hopefully we can move past this. But we can't. We know I said the wrong word. <laughs> they both get head. Okay. <laughs> they sure both do. Both of them receive oral. Is there. We yes. Don't need to- and then they discuss it later. Yes, and they kind of, like, they talk a little bit about D. They talk about the Knights a little bit. And, like, Barclay has one of those moments where he's like, okay, it's like, what what is everyone's motivator here in being a part of this group? Also, everyone, I apologize that I, like, said they both got fellatio. That's not true. As I said it, I was like, this is wrong, and I hope we can avoid it. And then we did it, and now I'm just really fixated on it. Um, Back to Edie. So that's where we're at in life. Back to you, Edie. Back to Edie. So Oliver text Edie an address to meet him at. And Oliver had rented a house not far from campus because he was like, I'm, I'm not going to slum it in the dorms any longer than I need, so I'm going to rent this place off campus and then convince Edie to move into it with me so that way we can, like, not live in dorms. That was his initial motivation. I That did happen earlier on in the book. I think it actually, he rented it before they even got there. Whatever. She goes to the house to talk to Oliver about everything. When she gets there... Oliver has kidnapped Keegan. Of course he has. Yes. Um, he kidnapped- Because he's a crazy stalker. Yeah. He just wants Edie to have everything she wants in life. Is something wrong with that, Hannah? Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
people should not have everything that they want. They shouldn't. But sometimes you just might find you get, you get what, what you need. need. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I do feel like we're both multiple glasses of wine in, and in my mind, that was a an excellent harmony. <laughs> and when I <laughs> you're like, we're gonna kill this. We are going to sing our asses off here. And when I listen to that on the playback, I will probably change my mind. At least you didn't say fellatio. (laughs) (laughs) So we are doing great today. Um, Yes. Oliver has kidnapped Keegan. They start interrogating him. We find out Keegan really did love Delilah. I know I kind of gave that spoiler earlier. Um. He did love Delilah, and he keeps warning Edie to leave, and he's like, you aren't safe. You need to leave. Talk to your dad. You need to leave. And then tells Edie that Dee had a stalker, and this, not Oliver, (laughs) (laughs) had a stalker who was the one who sent her that card that was like, I've memorized your body. Um, And the card that said I memorized your body was delivered with flowers that were wrapped in um, not just like normal cellophane or something that flowers would normally come in. It was wrapped in a gossip magazine that pictured that like featured pictures of D in a bikini from a family vacation. Mm. Yes. Ooh. Um, also then suddenly Keegan passes out. I still really have no idea what the fuck happens here. He was just like, I'm done here. It's like, yeah, he got himself really worked up and just like passed out. And so then Oliver's like, okay, royal servants, come take them away. And there's the servants just have a fleet of fucking Mini Coopers to do Oliver's bidding. Mini Coopers. Mini, well, they're British. Mm. Yeah. And then. So we couldn't do a like a, a, a Land Rover or an Aston Martin. It's a Mini Cooper because we're British. Well, the fleet of servant cars are Mini Coopers. Why would all of the servants have Aston Martins, Hannah? Okay. <laughs> this is the biggest plot hole in the whole book. <laughs> the Mini Cooper. It is what I'm stuck on. Anyway. So then while they're there, Ollie does tell, like, when Edie's like, what is this place? Ollie's like, I rented the house for us. Um, and then Ollie and Edie kind of start processing, like, who could the stalker be? And they're like, they're like, could it be Barclay? Could it be Leo? Like, mm. So they're like, shit, we really can't trust them. Um, we are now back to Leo. And the team has been called to, like, the knight's building um, or the knight's house for another trial. When they get to the door, there's, like, a fledgling outside who's like, no, pledges only. Only Edie and Oliver are allowed to go inside for this one. Like, mm-hmm. Barclay and Leo have to stay out. And Leo— Sounds sus. Right? Well, and Leo and Barclay are like, nope. You guys said we had to stay with her, and this is our charge, and that's what we're fucking doing. So kick us out of the room if you need, but we are going in there with her. So they all go in, and Leo's cousin Vincent is in the room. And this trial is the favor trial, Mm. um, where you have to complete a favor for someone with no questions asked. And Edie and Oliver are told that they have to get the paternity test for this random woman um, within 24 hours, just Edie and Oliver, the others can't help. Um, 
Barclay gets super mad and loses his shit and, like, punches a wall, but, like, no one really understands why. Okay. We haven't, we don't know those details. And then they're like, all right, let's go, let's all go back to the dorm and, like, plan together. And then they're like, well, we, we have to do it alone. And they're like, we can all plan together. You just have to implement it alone. So, switch to Oliver. They're putting the plan into motion at this point. The plan is to go to the OBGYN's office, and Edie is going to pretend to have accidentally left a tampon in for over a week and having toxic, toxic shock syndrome. This is their plan, that she was outside crying in pain. Oliver was just passing as a good Samaritan, brings her into this clinic, asking them for help. So then while the nurses are helping Edie, Oliver's like, because people, like, he's, while he's not in line for the throne, he's recognizable enough that, like, people know him as royalty. Okay. And so he's like, oh, like, can, is there someplace I can, like, hide so, like, paparazzi won't see that I brought a woman in? Because, like, that would not go well for me. Like, oh, my gosh, of course. They, like, let him hide in the records room. Naturally. Naturally. So he, like, takes a picture of the file. Um. They are, they like, have obviously been successful. And then she's, like, they just, like, kind of run out. It's a very unresolved situation. And then as they're driving back, they're holding hands. And Edie's just, like, everything's just, like, been so wild. And, like, I just want to, like, feel like myself. So they fuck in the driver's seat. In the driver's seat. Yeah, they fuck in the driver's seat. That's exactly what my notes said. <laughs> okay. Yeah. While the car is in motion, or are they parked? No, they pull over, Hannah. They're that's safe drivers. Yeah. And I don't think this was a Mini Cooper. I think that's only for the servants. There was more leg room in the actual vehicle. Uh, well, that's good. Yes. My glasses were starting to hurt my face, so I took them off, but I can't really see without them. So I just, now I'm questioning my life choices, but I already <laughs> took them off. Do you want me to read you your notes? No, I don't. That'll be like when you were like, I'm going to say the word woof for you because you can't pronounce it. And that didn't get us very far. So this is just where we're at in life. Um, but then like while they're boning, like I guess before Oliver's sexual fantasy and since his sexual fantasy, they've never kissed. They've only ever kissed during that like sex scene where it was his sexual fantasy. Okay. So then, like, she's kind of, like, kissing up his neck and his body. And, like, Oliver's really creating this narrative in his head that, like, if she kisses me on the mouth, that means, like, our relationship is progressing. Um, okay. Yeah. He's like, we're turning a corner in our relationship if we kiss on the mouth. I mean, does she? Yeah. They do kiss on the mouth, but that also, like, wasn't a conversation they were having during that was sex. Just in his head. That was just, like, in his head. He's like, this will be... The difference. This is the moment. Yes. So they meet. We're oh, sorry. Switch back to Edie now. Switch okay. perspectives. They go um, to meet up with Vincent. They give him the paternity test, and then he like sees the results, and he's like, "You guys did really well." I'll let the elders know that you did really well, and then like looks at Vincent, looks at Leo, and says, "You need to check in with Gramps." And Edie's kind of like, "What does he need to check in with his grandpa about?" Because I thought he didn't like his grandpa. What's going on? And like, kind of gets a little suspicious. Um, and so she asks Leo about it and is like, what's that about? And Leo's like, bold to ask when you have your own secrets. I saw a mini Cooper dropping off a very stunned Keegan back to his dorm. So like, don't come at me asking for secrets when you clearly have your own. Then E.G.'s like, well, I have unfinished business with Keegan. Then Leo and Barclay are both like, well, like what? Because they're like jealous assholes, even though like nothing is really defined. Everyone's just like having mm. that like slightly possessive thing. 
And I like, like what? Like I thought like you guys hated each other. And then Edie's like, no, it actually turns out like my sister's relationship with him had changed. And like, there's more to the story and I have more details I want to get from him. And like, then Leo pushes back and is like, I don't believe it. And then Edie's like, you wouldn't understand. And Leo just like gets quiet and walks off. Like doesn't say a fucking word, just like leaves. Like there's like building argument where she's like, you wouldn't understand. I lost my sister. Fuck you. And he just like gets quiet and leaves. And you're like, oh, are you okay, Leo? I don't think so. I don't think he is. Because Barclay then tells Edie that Leo was the one who found his dad. Oh, so like, man. it's kind of like a, if anyone gets it, it probably is Leo. Mm. Yeah. So Edie feels super shitty, goes to her room, tells him not to follow. She just wants some time for herself. She goes through all of Dee's boxes and then is like, I, I need to talk to my dad about all of this. I need answers. He hasn't been taking my phone calls. He hasn't been taking my texts. Like, I need to know what happens. So she decides she's going to go confront her dad and then takes off without telling anyone. Of course she does. So, yeah, Leo's gone. And then because she wanted to be alone, both Barclay and Oliver, like, went to bed. And so mm-hmm. she just kind of, like, sneaks out, turns off the alarm, turns it back on when she's gone, and then goes to her dad's house. Or her parents' house, rather. And, but, like, on the way there, she's, like, kind of, like, thinking through the suspects and, like, who could have done it and who could have called her sister. And, like, her parents have not been questioning the same people or any people, and they've just been sad. And so then, like, on this drive, Edie's, like, maybe my dad doesn't suspect anyone because it actually was an accident. Like, girl, you made it this far in to just suddenly ask yourself this question now? That's my thought, at least. Um, but then, like, be, she's kind of out of it because she's kind of processing through this. And then, like, a, a car honks behind her and they flash their lights. And she's like, oh, I was only going, like, 30 and a 50. So she speeds up. Like, they stay right on her ass. And she's like, shit, I'm being followed. So, like, she swerves and turns off and manages to lose them. And, like, we're never actually sure if she was being followed. Okay. Um, she gets to her parents' house. It's very late. She confronts her dad and is like, dad, like, why have you been avoiding my text? And, like, tells him, like, I want to talk to you about D. I want to talk about the knights. I want to talk about the stalker. Like, I heard D was fighting on the deck with someone the night she died. Like, do you even know who that was? And her dad's, like, not giving her any answers. Then suddenly the door behind Edie, like, opens and closes. And her dad, like, sees it happen and, like, grabs her wrist from across the table and is like, be strong. I can't help you. And. Oh, dear. Yes. So a cloaked elder, so she can't see who it is, but a cloaked knight greets Edie's dad, but she, like, recognizes it, but, like, can't quite place the voice. She's like, it sounds kind of familiar. And then the voice is like, Eden asked her, do you accept the will of the knights? Um, And then, like, her dad begs, like, don't hurt her. And then they put a bag over her head again. Mm -hmm. But this time, like, her eyes get really heavy and she passes out. And she goes to sleep. Drugged in some way. Then we have got to be close to the end. We are at this very, point. we oh are very god. close to the end. Oh my god! Um, she wakes up, swinging upside down over a body of water. We've done that before. Remember Roxy? Never mind. From Ten of Vipers, <laughs> she also woke up swinging upside down from a meat hook. Anyway, this one wasn't a meat hook. This one was a boat hook. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, 
And there's a ton of robed knights under where she's hanging, and mm. she sees Leo is there as well. Uh-oh. Um, and then she realizes they're on a dock, and that it's like a rope and pulley to bring boats out of the water that she's hanging upside down over. Okay. Um, but she's also like, she can tell just from the way her body's feeling, knowing how cold the water is, she's like, if I hit the water, I'm going to like go into shock, and like I won't be able to swim. Mm-hmm. And so she starts having a panic attack, and... Someone's like, what the fuck is happening to her? And they're like, panic attack, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So she's just like hanging upside down from a boat hook, having a panic attack. That's not ideal. No. Then, then another voice is like, bring him out. And they've got Ollie as well. Oh, no. Right? Sweet Ollie. Um, sweet stalker Ollie. Sweet stalker Ollie. Then he sees her hanging and is like super pissed and is like screaming, like, get her the fuck down. And they do not care. <laughs> Another they voice. They are unmoved. They are very unmoved. Another voice is in like, she looks so much like her sister, ass and all. So like, everyone's just kind of like objectifying her as she's hanging there. She cries for help. She's like, Leo, help me. Leo, help me. Leo doesn't answer. Leo doesn't respond. Uh-oh. And everyone's like, oh, did she think he was on her side? Like, does she not know he's on our side and all of this? Ugh. And so then she's like, well, I guess I have to defend my been for myself and I can't trust anyone. So she just like shuts down, gets quiet, is like, I'm going to hang here, just kind of like goes into like survival mode. And then they even say, they're like, you've been hanging here for hours and the water below you is so cold, like you'll seize and you'll die just like your sister did. Nice. And then someone else says, um, she got it easier than her sister, but I have to admit, they both make pretty little dead girls. Lovely. And then the rope drops her in and she's like, feels her body sees and she's like nothing I can do about it night's one at least I'll get to see D again soon end of book uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> I mean when does the next one come out I think like June uh. yeah I really because here's the thing I think when I read this one I was like oh Barclay's going to, like, something's going to happen at the start of the next book. The story's going to continue because right. it definitely felt like it was being set up. But it was kind, it did throw me off. And it was kind of disconcerting when I read Hush Hush as the prequel after I read this one, knowing D dies. Right. And so, like, the endings felt almost identical. Where, like, I mean, obviously the situations that led them there were very different. But the ending of, like, I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm nothing or something like that is, like, how Hush Hush ends. So I was like, and the series is like the Pretty Little Dead Girl series. So I'm like, oh, is she going to make it? Or are they just going to kill every girl? I'm like, no, that doesn't make great books. No one wants to read when the love interest dies every book. Right. Well, and I wonder too if maybe maybe the opening of the next book is like, I don't know, something like saving her is Leo's thing to become a full knight or something. Like maybe maybe something is going to happen. Well, I doubt Leo saving her would help him become a full knight because the knights did kill her sister. Right. But like Well, maybe that's the whole thing. They don't really want him to become a knight. So yeah. they're like, this is your this is your task is to save this girl that's definitely dead. Right. And like cause Leo and Ollie are both there. We don't know if Barclay was there and like that final scene. He's mm-hmm. not mentioned in that capacity. So like he could have been a hooded person who didn't do anything, but like there is a chance all three of them are there. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a, all three of them are there. And then they all, like, they all end up banding together to 
disassemble the knights or some shit like that. Right. Um, but I am really curious. I don't know where it's going to go because she's definitely not afraid to go there. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. Well, I guess we're going to find out in June, hopefully. Yeah. And um, I am also curious what happens with Keegan because it doesn't feel like his character is done yet. Yeah. But I still don't understand why he randomly passed out. <laughs> he just, like, got emotionally worked up and passed out. <laughs> so here's the question that, that I have that is burning. Okay. What – how many, many Coopers do you rate this book? Um, so I'm going to have to clarify that question because there's a wide variety of Mini Coopers. There's the – like, OG. All right, so fun fact. Do you remember the movie The Italian Job? Yeah. So The Italian Job, the, like, OG Mini Cooper. Don't look at my husband like this. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just- it was, like, a commiserating, <laughs> is she really going on this tangent? That is the look y'all just gave. I needed to share the moment with someone. <laughs> okay, so fun fact. Jesus Christ. The original Mini Cooper that Charlize Theron drives at uh-huh. the beginning of mm-hmm. Italian Job, they had to specially, like, outfit for her because it's not made for, like, normal-sized people. So, I'm like, trying so hard not to look at Vance. You're allowed to look at Vance. It was just a commiserating <laughs> look where I'm like, okay, I mean, it, me. it would have been commiserating. <laughs> oh, you're such an asshole. <laughs> I love you, but you're such an asshole. Um, but no, like there's like the newer Mini Coopers. There's there's the four door series. So I have questions. Okay, I need to know which Mini okay, Cooper. We're gonna go with four door because I feel like if we're transporting unconscious individuals, then we would need a four door. Yes, for the sake of accessibility, that is the easiest for sure. Yeah. Um, if we're going with a four door Mini Cooper, I'm gonna give it like. Three out of six Mini Coopers. Okay. Um, because? Like, E.M. Moore isn't afraid to fully send it on a book, but I'm also super fucking intrigued. Like, okay. Because I read the book and was like, oh, shit, I need to know what happens, and was pissed when I realized the sequel wasn't out yet. Mm. And I think from that vantage point, like, yes, it is, like, very over the top in a lot of ways— in a lot of ways, let's be completely honest. We're like, what the hell is even happening here? But it was intriguing enough that you wanted to keep reading it. Okay. And that you wanted to know what happened. It was intriguing enough that I finished this one. And then I was like, oh, the only other book that she has out is the prequel. Done. And I picked up the prequel and read it. Okay. Okay. So, I can I can get yeah. on board with that. So for that, we're going to have three out of six four-door Mini Coopers. Okay. Yes. Okay. Any other questions about the book? Um... No. <laughs> like, I think it really is one of those weird ones where I'm like, none of the dudes are great. Like, there's not like. Nah. Mm-mm. I'm like, okay, so like, Leo is a brash asshole who's not afraid to piss on people. <laughs> Barclay clearly has like secrets and is older and like, we don't fully know, so we can't fully trust him. And Oliver has no boundaries and is like low-key a stalker. Yeah. But I'm, like, rooting for all of them. But I don't like any of them. Okay. I, girl, you know how this tension goes in some of these books. I do. Yeah, where you're like, oh, this is, this is not great, but I can't look away. 
Yeah. Well, and like, you know, we can be rooting for them and hoping that there is some character development eventually in the series where we will like them. Yeah. Like, I feel like if we can get some answers in the second book, like, because I don't, I think like the way they were setting Leo up was he was, he was actually starting to like have feelings and realize he mm-hmm. was fucked up and was like, that's part of why when right. she, when she was like, you would never understand. And he's he, gaining insight into all of this. Yeah. 100%. And so I think with how they were kind of moving some of the character development, I won't be surprised if we get more of that in a second book. But I'm also not sure if it's going to be like, hell, is the next book going to be Anne-Marie and they're going to kill her as well? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, I could see it going that way. Because that's the only way. other, like, female that was prominently discussed. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, I could see it going that way. Or I, like, I'm also I'm like, is this going to be a duet? Is this going to be a trilogy? Is this going to be a quartet? Honestly, I don't my heart has it in it for a quartet of this. Um, duet would be preferred. I don't, I feel like with a trilogy, there's always one book that's not as strong. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe two agree. books that aren't as strong. I guess we're going to find out. Yeah. So stay tuned, I guess. Future Chelsea and future Hannah will review whatever the next book in the Pretty Little Dead Girls series is. Yeah. Um, Future Hannah is going to need a lot of notice before the next book is reviewed. Yeah. I'll just get another box of wine. I was going to say, Future Hannah is going to need to pregame that because what the fuck? But I also feel like Future Hannah's probably going to read this book anyway. I probably am. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to talk a lot of shit, but I am also going to read this book. I'm very self-aware. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to read this trash, and I'm going to be into it, and then I'm going to make fun of it. And that's the truth. And that's how we became friends. <laughs> and that's how we formed the Smut Club. Right? So, Y'all, let us know your thoughts. Let us know how many Mini Coopers you would rate this book. Four-door Mini Coopers. Um, if you are going to move into another Mini Cooper type, please let us know so that way we can adjust for size accordingly. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we love you guys. We hope you have a great night. Bye, y'all. Bye. Next week on Smart Club. What a title for your debut. I know. Um, And I just want to preface by saying I genuinely enjoyed this book. I don't know if it's actually any good, but I did actually really, really enjoy it. It had some very funny moments. (laughs) I just just want to pause you. I don't know if it's any good, but I did enjoy it. (laughs) I mean... We'll get to the actual review critique later. in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I read this book while I was on vacation, which is relevant because I don't normally drink very much. Um, However, when I was outlining this book, I was mostly intoxicated. So we'll see what happens. Well, that's it for this week's Mud Sluts. We hope it was good for you, because it sure was great for us. If you're digging what we're doing, it would mean a lot if you'd take a minute to rate and review the show wherever you're listening right now. Maybe tell that sexy someone to lend us an ear. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next week. Stay smutty.